You know, many of us have seen warning labels on the midst of various products. We, of course, live in an overly litigated society, so there's got to be a warning on everything. Even things that seem like the uh, warning would be sort of common sense, right? Uh, there's one warning on a Duraflame fireplace log, you know, kind of a fire starter. Those fireplace logs are large. You lay them in there, get a fire going, right? Duraflame fireplace log. The caution on this, the warning says caution. I think you see where I'm going. Risk of fire, right? Caution, risk of fire. Big surprise, right? Warning on a Batman costume. Warning. Cape does not enable the user to fly. You would think it'd be self-explanatory. Nonetheless, it's there. A bottle of hair coloring. Do not use as ice cream topping, right? wonder what color it was. I guess it could be either hot fudge or maybe it was butterscotch or caramel or something like that. Who knows? But either way, don't use it as ice cream topping. You know one of those cardboard sunshades, you know, you put them up or, you know, they come in various types, but uh, the old school style is the cardboard. You put it up in your front windshield. The uh, warning on a cardboard sunshield was this, do not drive with the sunshield in place. Again, you'd think it's self-explanatory, but not as much. And of course, a portable stroller, right? You know, the kind that collapse. A lot of us have the kind, you know, we still have the twist handle and it collapses like that, right? Warning on one of those portable strollers says, caution. Remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> right. So we think, when we think about a fool in society, this is what we think about, right? Someone who needs these warnings. Someone who is sort of ignorant. Or someone who is, is consumed by idiocy. This is what we think a, a fool is. But when we look at the biblical idea of the fool, and you remember at the, toward the beginning of our sermon series on Proverbs, we talked about the fool as well. The, fool, the idea of the fool in the Bible is not about ignorance at all. In fact, as we've said many times, and we will say again throughout the course of this passage as well, the fool in the Bible doesn't speak of one who is ignorant, but one who willfully rejects the truth of God. Whether it be at that greatest moment of decision and the greatest rejection of the truth, if you will, to hear the truth of the gospel of God and to say, no, I'm not going to turn my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to surrender to him. I'm going to keep going my course as I think I'm going to go. And I've got life figured out here. And I'm going to just try to do my best to do as many good things as I can at the end of my life. I'm going to hope that the the scales of good works are tipped to my favor. Whether it's that sort of willful rejection of truth, the ultimate willful rejection of truth, or whether it's daily rejection of truth, any person can be one who acts like a fool. So with that in mind, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 26 and look at verses 3 through 12. And it says this, to begin with in verse 3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Now take verse 5 together with verse 4. We'll kind of explain the nuance there because it looks like it's almost contradicting itself, which of course we know it's not. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Well, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty poignant words there. Pretty colorful language. Verse 7, like the legs of a lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. 
Verse 8, one who, like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is the proverb in the mouth of a fool. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressors his wages. By the way, that might look quite different than your translation. We'll get to that a little bit later in the service. And as a dog returns to his own vomit, verse 11, so a fool repeats his folly. And then finally in this section, verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So folks, when we look at the, 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 the whole of this passage here, we see this. Write it down. It's going to be on the screen for you. Be wary of trusting a fool. Instead, rebuke a fool. And again, if, if you're new to Scripture, rebuke in Scripture means that we lovingly speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. We don't sweep things under a rug. We don't let things go unsaid. But we kindly, lovingly rebuke a fool. And what do we do? It's not our own power of persuasion. But what do we do? We let God's word take effect. Lord God, as we come to your word today, let it take effect on our heart. Let it take effect in our lives. Lord, we know even for those of us that are here today that are believers in Jesus Christ, not on a regular basis, Not can we regularly reject your word because it proves the fact that we are not saved, anyone that does that, and it proves the fact that we are not bearing fruit. But for a person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, even today, we can at times walk away from your word and we can act like a fool before we were saved. And so whether it be the the believer, the Christian that sits here today, or whether it be the unbeliever who is struggling at this moment, they are actively rejecting the truth of the gospel. Lord, may we turn away from foolish ways. And Lord, may we, may we no longer reject your word, but may we humble ourselves before you, knowing that you are the all-knowing, loving, almighty God. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Amen. So you might ask the question, why in the world does this matter to me, right? Why does this matter? You know, well, first of all, we have to think about it. Could it be possible that you're the fool? Right? No one likes to be called the fool, but again, when we think about biblical terminology, we're not talking about the person who's ignorant. They're very wise, or they're very intelligent people, very intelligent people that, by terms of Scripture, are living out foolish lives. Because remember, not, it's not about ignorance, but it is willful rejection of the truth. Because in, in one of the greatest ways, or one of the, the most poignant ways that we can be a fool in our life, and probably the greatest, is the fact that we are willfully rejecting the grace of God in our lives. Those of us who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ, those that hear the message of the good news of the gospel, that even though we are separated from God because of our sin, the loving and almighty God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life, ultimately to die upon the cross for your sin and for mine. And so he extends the free gift of grace and salvation to you and to me. And if we are to do what Jesus Christ himself says, which is to repent, meaning turn away from our old way of life and believe in him, Not saying that I can do things my own way, but I am surrendering my life to you, Jesus, as the Son of God, the one who came to me, the the one who came to save me from my sin. If If we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we too are saved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news, the grace of God. And so first of all, why does it matter to me? You may be here today, and you may be the one that is willfully rejecting the truth of God in your life, and that ultimate truth that ultimate truth of the gospel that we all need the salvation of God. 
Maybe you're here today and you're saved. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You surrendered your life unto him, and that's what the Bible calls the Christian. The Christian in Scripture is not the person who comes to church on a regular basis. The Christian is not the person who tries their best to do good things. The Christian is not the person who lives in America and doesn't claim another religion, so by default they're a Christian. That's not what a Christian is. It is one who has surrendered their life into the Lord Jesus Christ, and they follow him, and they begin to live like him. That is the Christian, but even the believer in Jesus Christ, if we are not actively, daily surrendering our life into the Lord Jesus, we are not, as I've talked about before, letting our two feet hit the floor and saying to God, God, this day is yours. I'm going to do things your way. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm not going to do things the way of the world. I'm not going to follow after the, quote, wisdom of the world and my friends and my feelings, but I'm going to do things your way. If we're not doing that actively and daily, guess what? We can, for a limited time, act like a fool as well. We can willfully reject the truth of God. So you say, why does it matter to me? You might be in that category. Or thirdly, we all at times have to deal with the Bible's idea of a fool, one who is willfully rejecting the the grace of God and willfully rejecting the truth of God. Once again, just to further drive home the point, this does not speak of one who is unintelligent. This does not speak of one who is ignorant. We look at the book of Romans chapter 1, that whole book of Romans chapter 1, or the whole chapter of Romans, uh, first chapter of Romans, talks about the person who may be very, very intelligent. The people who may be very intelligent, some that may not be on some sort of a objective, measurable standard, but they can look at all of this complexity of the world around us. They can look at all of, of God's created order. They can look at all the majesty of what we see around us and the complexity of us and still reject God. And still say that there's no God in heaven. There's no God that I must ultimately answer to. They look at all this around us and God making himself clear and abundant and still reject God. So it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything again to do with the rejection of truth. And so as we looked at several weeks ago in the midst of this sermon series in the book of Proverbs, we're looking again at the idea of the fool, the one who rejects the truth of God. And we see, in fact, the wise and the fool are two sides of the same coin that we see as the most prominent feature in all of the book of Proverbs. Are we going to look at the truth of God, and are we going to accept it? Are we going to live by it? Or are we going to do things our own way? Are we going to do things our own way? And so when we talk about the fool here in this section of Proverbs chapter 26, 3 through 12, we see many examples of what that looks like. We see the symptoms, if you will, of one who is a fool or one who is acting and living like a fool. And the thing is, we have to come as we do with an open heart and open mind to God's word each and every time. And we have to say, God, show me the truth of your word. Am I one who is willfully rejecting your truth and ultimately am I rejecting your grace? When you've extended a hand of grace to me in salvation through Jesus Christ, am I rejecting surrendering my life to him? Or you might say, again, I'm a person that knows Jesus Christ as my Savior, but yes, God, I've been living this sort of period of my life. I'm in a slump right now in life where I've not been walking according to your word. I've been doing things my way. I've been living according to my own feelings and my own wisdom, as I think it were. Whatever it may be, we must come with an open heart and an open mind to what God's word says. Verse 3, in fact, says this. A whip for the horse and a bridle for the donkey and a rod for the fool's back. Folks, we live in a day and age when foolishness seems to be running the world, doesn't it? We can just give a myriad of examples of what just just read the the, the news headlines. No matter how you get your news, where it's printed paper or whether it's online or whether you 
uh, Twitter headlines that you follow to a larger story. There is, there is just an abundance. There's an absolute plethora of just foolishness in our world. But here's the thing. We have to see this. Write it down. A fool must be corrected. A fool's foolishness cannot go unchecked. Why is that? Why is that? Because if a fool's foolishness goes unchecked, he will hurt those around him. He hurts those around him, and he, in fact, at best, can become useless. At best, he's useless in life, and at worst, he's hurting those around him. So what does this verse mean? It means that we can't just sweep foolishness under the rug. But as we've said before, and as we see this idea of rebuke throughout Scripture, it doesn't mean that we come with the sledgehammer of truth with absolutely no love. It means, though, that we come with a loving rebuke. We speak that truth in love. We can't just hold our tongue, bite our tongue, and let it go unchecked. We'll talk about that a little bit later in this passage of what's the danger in that. But we must, we must, in a loving and kind way, speak truth into the life of the fool. Because if not, at best, they'll be useless. At worst, they'll hurt those around them. Verse 4 says this, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Now let's take verse 5 with it as well, because it might seem on the surface like it's a, re- like it's a rejection of the thing that was just said in 4. Verse 5, though, says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now when you see the nuance here in the original language of verses 4 and 5, you get some distinct sense of what each one of these verses mean. First of all, in verse 4, it means this. Trying to talk sense into a fool is itself a foolish endeavor. Now you say, Pastor, I thought you just told us that we were supposed to, 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 to correct a fool. We correct a fool with the unchanging truth of God, and we let his word do the work. It's not a matter of, matter of trying to be our own sort of uh, pop psychologist. We're not trying to be a knockoff version of Dr. Phil or some sort of uh, expert that you'd see on a talk show. We are speaking in love and truth the eternal word of God into one's life and letting that word of God do the work. Trying to talk sense into fool is itself a foolish endeavor. And what does it mean answering one according to his folly? This is really the heart of that. what that means. You know, the fool's folly is that sort of behavior engaging in, and when he tells us not to do that, he tells us not to engage in that same sort of emotion-driven behavior that we see so replete in the life of a fool. Because if we do that, if we're engaging in the same sort of, we're just trying to pound away at his foolishness, and we're engaging in that sort of emotion-driven behavior as well, then we will pick up his faults as well. Why? Because it taps in to that base sin nature. But instead, what do we do? We speak the truth, the truth of God's word and love. Verse 5, when it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own, life, his own eyes, the nuance there means this, don't placate a fool and agree with his ideas. He will believe that he's right. This is that thing of just sweeping it under the rug. And folks, I know, we all know fools in our life, and sometimes we are the fool when we reject the truth of God and we won't listen to those around us. Oftentimes, it's easier just to kind of sweep something under the rug, right? It's just easier to just let them go, right? Let them go. But if we let them go too long, at best, as we said a moment ago, it's going to be uselessness in their own life, and they'll feel frustration. They need to be corrected so that they can live a, a, a useful and purposeful life. But... At best, they're going to be useless. At worst, they're going to hurt those around them. 
So we must not placate a fool, agree with their ideas, because he'll believe that he's right. Because here's the thing. A fool, we all know sometimes, and maybe in moments of our own self-awareness, we realize we've acted like a fool. What is a fool act like? A fool lacks self-awareness, right? A fool always thinks they're right. A fool always thinks that they've got the right way. And if anyone dare to challenge them, what do they do? They get defensive because a fool always thinks that they're right. But what do we do? Again, like Jesus, this is what he demonstrated in his ministry. He didn't sweep things under the rug. He didn't act like things didn't happen. Nor did he just pound on someone with the hammer of truth. He spoke the truth in love. He did not withhold the truth, but he spoke it in love. Verse 4 and 5, and again in verse 6, it says this, He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Drinks violence here in the Hebrew. There's a couple of difficult phrases to translate. One's here, one's in verse 10 as well, the entirety of verse 10, in fact. But one, this phrase is difficult to translate in the Hebrew. And some translations, alternate translations, have said this, to bear one's bottom, to bear one's bottom. Very frank and looking at other places in Scripture, oftentimes the Bible's really frank and it gets the point across, meaning that the person can humiliate themselves. The one who sends a message by a fool is going to end up humiliating themselves. Folks, listen to this. If you depend upon a fool, you invite self-inflicted trouble and humiliation. If you depend upon a fool. So it's a warning to the one who's not a fool to say, don't depend upon a fool. You invite self-inflicted trouble and humiliation. But folks, it also begs the question, what about our own trustworthiness? Are there times in which we are not trustworthy? Are there times in our life where others have tried to count on us and we haven't been there and we haven't been trustworthy and then we make the other person look foolish? We humiliate the other person? Let us have some Holy Spirit self-awareness. Let us have some prayerful self-awareness and say, God, are there times where I've been on the other side of this proverb? Have there been times where I've humiliated and let others down? Verse 7 says this, like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Folks, truth is unchanging, but guess what? It can be ignored. The truth of God's word is unchanging. It is powerful no matter what we think of it, but the fool can reject. The fool can ignore truth. Folks, listen to this. Even a wise saying can appear useless when received by a fool. Even a wise saying can appear useless when received by a fool. The truth of God, and hear me very clearly, is unchanging. It is true and right and powerful no matter how someone might receive it. But nevertheless, when a fool receives that, a fool can reject even wise and unchanging truth. Verse 8 says this, Like one who binds a stone in a sling is one who gives honor to the fool. When you look at many translations of this, many commentators and biblical scholars, kind of the best idea that we can come to and what this means here is if you can remember those Old Testament slings, you know, we might envision that with David and Goliath. If you remember the idea of, uh, of slings at that time that were used for hunting or two long leather cords attached in the middle by a pouch, by a leather pouch. And you'd place a stone in that leather pouch, you'd let that leather pouch with a stone in it hang down and you grab... The, the two sides of that cord. You put them together, you kind of separate a little bit with your finger so that you could sling it around like this and then let one side, one of those cords go, holding on to the other, and it opens that pouch and sends that, that stone flying. That's the idea of an Old Testament sling. 
Well, you can imagine, you would think you're expert enough if you're going out hunting with one of these, but maybe you just kind of get a little sloppy that one day, and you sling it around, and what do you do? You hit yourself in the head with that sling, right? He says, the one who binds a stone in a sling is like one who gives honor to a fool. That giving honor to a fool, that's sort of, again, sweeping under the rug their own difficulty and just sort of placating them and hoping it goes away, hoping they just kind of improve, is ultimately going to come and backfire back on you. Why? How? How does that happen? It doesn't mean that we never encourage somebody. It doesn't mean that we never speak a kind word. Of course, God's word says that, and we, of course, encourage those. But if we always encourage and placate without being doing, again, the harder work of speaking the truth in love, then guess what? We can embolden their folly. An indirect approach of kindness and compliment, but without loving rebuke, if that's all one does, can cause a fool to further believe that I've got it all together. I've got it all together. Yes, we speak kindness. Yes, we speak encouragement into one's life, but we can't do that without and and alongside sweeping something under the rug that needs to be addressed. We have to go and we have to speak truth and love and understand that sometimes it's not going to be well-received. We know that, but we have to speak the truth of God's word. Let the God's word that is powerful and sharper than the two-edged sword do its work. Verse 9 says this, Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Right? If you're walking around and you're not inebriated at all, you stick your hand on a thorn and you're going to feel it. You draw back, right? But one who's inebriated, yes, they'll feel it, but there's this sort of slowness of senses, the sort of slowness of senses and not feeling things as one might. So very simply, what does it mean here? A fool is dull and oblivious to wisdom. The fool is dull and oblivious to wisdom. They might hear it and not think it has anything to do with this. The fool might hear the wisdom, the truth of the book of Proverbs and say, man, my friend really needs to hear this, right? My friend really needs to hear this. And everybody else around them is saying, you need to hear this. The fool is dull and oblivious to wisdom. Again, once again, the fool is not the one who is ignorant. The fool is not the one who is unintelligent. But the fool is the one who purposely rejects the truth of God. It is, again, not a matter of ignorance, but willful rejection. I love this quote by George MacDonald. He says this, To give truth to him who loves it not, to give truth to him who loves it not, is to only give him more multiplied reasons for misinterpretation. Do you follow that? Let me read it again here. To give truth to him who loves it not is to only give him more multiplied reasons for misinterpretation. So you speak to the truth to to, to a person who doesn't love the truth, who's not open, who doesn't have an open mind and self-awareness to say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I need to hear truth. I need to take in truth to my life. And if they're hearing the truth, it just gives them more multiplied reasons For misinterpretation. A fool is dull and oblivious to wisdom. Verse 10. The great God who formed everything gives his fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. This is very difficult Hebrew. In fact, many of your translations could not be more different than this. And in fact, I think a better translation is something close to what the ESV has it and the NIV have it and might be reflected in some of your translations here. The ESV says this, Proverbs 26, uh, 10, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. 
Now, again, the Hebrew here is difficult. It's been debated by many biblical scholars, but the majority of those that interpret this come up with a translation pretty close to this, and I, too, think this is a good translation of what's being said here. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. What does this mean? It means this foolishly depending upon a fool, right? If we foolishly depend upon a fool, foolishly depending upon a fool wounds all those involved, right? So we have to to make sure that we're not depending foolishly on someone too who is willfully rejecting the truth. Verse 11. Now this is the one when we were kids, we would snicker at, right? We'd all snicker at this one. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so fool repeats his folly. It would be like us eating something and it, no, I'm not going to do it. I think, you guys can, I think you guys can figure it out on your own. You're like, please don't. don't, don't. You don't need to give that illustration. No, I don't. You can, you can figure it out on your own. It's funny though. we were in a store last night. There's a huge dog in there that wasn't, a, from I could tell, a service animal or a uh, anything like that that was kind of walking around. And I thought of this verse, and I'm like, hmm. That, and we're in a grocery store in the produce section. I'm thinking, yeah, that's, uh, if we ever think we're going to treat dogs like, like people, look at this verse right here. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Very simply, it's very simply this. A fool does not learn from their mistakes. Fools do not learn from their mistakes. Are we listening to the truth of God, and are we seeing how it interacts with mistakes in our life? We're not going to be perfect. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, we too will sin. As believers in Jesus Christ, there will be times where we don't put our two feet on the ground and say, God, this day is yours. And we'll act out of emotion. We'll act out of sin. We'll act out of our own, quote, wisdom. We'll act out of the own, quote, wisdom of the world and friends around us. We'll do something. We'll return uh, evil for evil. Somebody will do something to harm us, and we'll just say, you know what? I'm going to get them back. Whatever it may be, we'll act. Uh, we'll act like a fool. We won't live in wisdom. But are we going to learn from our mistakes? The person who is walking in truth, the person who is redeemed and saved, should be the one that is coming to the Word of God and has openness of heart, openness of mind, and humility, humility to say, yeah, I got that one wrong. That's not right. That's not how Christ would do that. That's not the right thing. So do we? Do we have that humility that it takes? And of course, verse 12 here as it ends, what an apt ending to this passage. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. You know, at the bottom of my study Bible, it's a uh, John MacArthur study Bible. And uh, so at the bottom of study Bibles, you know, the portion below the scripture is commentary of whoever it's an editor or editors or, or a group of people that's writing the commentary. And so mine is John MacArthur. And I love just very bluntly and straight to the point how he says this. There are degrees of foolishness with intellectual conceit being the most stupid and hard to remedy, right? Just he's straight to the point. And it really does. It just gets right to the heart of this. It's an apt closure to this section because, listen, the person who thinks they have it all together, the person who thinks, I've got it all, I've got it figured out, I I don't need to hear anything from anybody. And most people have enough social wherewithal to not say that. Most people have enough social wherewithal to not think that forthrightly. But a lot of times we can absolutely live that way, can't we? 
We can live that way to think, I've got it all together, you know. And if so, that person has it far worse than the average fool. Why is that? There are variations. As this verse says, there are variations of foolishness. Self-importance or overconfidence is the hardest to remedy. Why? Because it's much like what we saw in verse 11. We will return to our own mistakes. Instead of having humility and saying, as God's word speaks into our life, yeah, that wasn't right. God, forgive me. Going to the person saying, will you forgive me? Or going and saying, you know what, this has got to change in my life. Instead, we can have pride, pride in our life and think we've got it all figured out and think we don't need help. So whatever it may be, when we again say, why does this matter to me? First of all, are you the person who, again, not ignorant at all, not lacking intelligence, but are you willfully rejecting the truth of God? Are you ultimately rejecting the grace of God? He is telling us that there's nothing you can do to save yourself from sin. But guess what? Because of my grace and my goodness unto you, I sent Jesus Christ, my one and only son, to this earth. And he, as he hung upon the cross, took the sum total of the sin of mankind. He paid for, he says that he paid for your sin through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're to surrender your life unto the Lord Jesus Christ, to give him your life today, you will be saved, cleansed, forgiven, adopted into the family of God, and you will have the no-so of an eternity in heaven. Have you accepted that truth in your life? Don't reject it any longer. Maybe again, you're here and you know Christ as your Savior, but yet there are times where you walk outside of his truth and you can act like you did before you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Would you have the humility to say, God, this this area of my life is not right. Will you forgive me and help me change? And of course, Lord, will you give me wisdom in dealing with those in my life that are exhibiting these issues? Give me wisdom of how to know when to rebuke, know when to distance myself, when to speak truth and love into their life, and Lord, that you might do the work. In the name of Jesus, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus Christ, let's pray. Our Jesus, let's, uh, uh, we come before you this morning. We uh, thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for truth. And we pray, Lord, that uh, just, like, uh, just like we see here, that we would know when, we would know when to speak truth into the lives of those around us. I pray for those that are here that have rejected the truth and rejected your grace in their life through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I also pray for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, but we too can walk outside of your will. God, whatever the case may be here today, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us honesty and humility to look at our own lives? And Lord, would you break down those walls for those that do not know your Savior today? Would you break down those walls of rejection? Would you soften their heart and help them to see your loving kindness? In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen.